so that brings me uh, that very interestingly brings me to rohan and rohan i guess you can get rid of this question very quickly if you can and you know <laughs> and panelist if they are kind with us uh so okay to be honest uh, we have taken the case of city and chelsea and to an extent arsenal oil money getting involved you might very well have a qatar on you know that it seem hypocrite and as a fan what do you feel about that the same no, I mean, right at the beginning of the podcast i said you know obviously given a choice obviously none of us wanted this but then like, like i said there these are things not in our hands there's, there's no what, what can we do you know we've gone through the glazers whom we've never wanted but when we, and we are now getting these guys so like i said if i look at the positive at least it's an owner who wants the club to succeed i mean as a fan that is one thing what we can at least look forward to where that money is coming from or you know what that obviously you know that that's something that you know there's going to be debate going on for ages there's nothing we can do about it so so from that, that's the only thing is as a fan i can say is at least get somebody who wants to see the club get back to you know the top not just on the field but off the field you know they need to be money invested in the stadium in the training infrastructure etc etc and yeah that's the i mean like i said success is a, very as a fan i just i just feel in in this ownership please don't get in you know don't get fair with whatever ethics let the football people do the football see that yeah that is something we can't really have a seen it because that happened with Chelsea last year you know uh, on the face of it Todd Bowley didn't necessarily need to have any beef with Tuchel but sometimes it's just you know you have to show you're a top dog and unfortunately you know that was his way of saying you know okay this is my team it's my way or the highway he he said that precedent unfortunately Tuchel played the price and I don't think even he foresaw the kind of season that they were going to have so so that's uh, you know that's i mean it's a flip of a coin things might go wrong things might go right so that that's something we can't do yeah like i said i hope they see that at least eric ten hag is taking us on the right path and you you do things to supplement him not to contradict him so that is what i would say is my expectation of the supposed new qatari owners coming in so yeah let's see but i believe getting a rich owner would help united because there are a lot of an infrastructure issues that they need solved right and uh, yeah like actually like initially that's where the focus will be rather than you know dealing with ten hag uh yeah so i mean make no mistake lazers weren't poor people they were rich people but I mean, they they wa- they wanted to fo- yeah they wanted to focus on the commercial aspect of it they didn't care or they didn't clearly you know add or make 1 plus 1 equal to 2 to understand that your success is very cyclical your off field success cannot happen without on field success so like i said uh, you know i mean you look at again sorry to come back to but arsenal and spurs these are teams who built amazing new stadiums and it has hampered in the immediate you know after arsenal left highbury when they went into the emirates for the first few seasons they couldn't spend freely because they simply didn't have the resources all the money went into creating that infrastructure that lovely new stadium similarly with spurs you know they made an amazing new stadium the only way you can continuously keep earning is 
you keep winning but you can't win if the squad is not good enough so it is it is all ties in together so we have some good players we need some more good players but at the same time obviously the, the infrastructure needs to be improved like from bottom up you know the academy that's something that we are always proud of so focus more on that you know so it whosoever comes in i just hope that they continue to employ with the right people so like i said city as an example uh the financial whatever allegations aside they employed the right person for the right job you know they took out barcelona's best people from everywhere you know and they employed people who knew what they were doing for the commercial aspect of it you have people who will take the club beyond the stars but on the pitch you have people who know what it takes for the club to succeed so so that is what i can say is now that we have some of these people please stick with them give them so give them time and if you don't like i said modern football is quite ruthless and i'm sure the qataris will have no hesitation in chopping heads if that's necessary but then yes make sure that you appoint the right people at the right roles so that there is overall success across the club we're talking about the, the ruthlessness uh, of of the modern football omar mm. time for club out oh <laughs> no 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 chance no chance i remember we had this conversation before and uh, i'd say I, and there's definitely a lot of bias on my answer right now i don't think i will ever be club out like i think it's uh, i don't think i could ever reach that stage and uh, and i i think a lot of people have been mentioning the fact that oh klopp's always failed in his seventh season and especially with dortmund he wasn't able to reach champions league with mines i believe he got relegated or i think he got relegated i'm not sure from the bundesliga but i think this is the first time in klopp's career where he's reached the eighth season he usually has a bad seventh season and then he ends up leaving the club and we've never really seen him in an eighth season and i think this is a great chance for klopp to genuinely show what he's made of and show that Klopp's been around for seven seasons. We've been in, I think, four or five European finals in the last seven years, and I don't think any English manager in the last few years has been able to achieve that. We've been in three Champions League finals. We've been in a Europa League final. Now, yes, we haven't gotten over the line in all of them, but we've been able to win the Premier League, which is something we haven't done in the last thirty years. Win the Champions League for the sixth time, which is something no English club has been able to achieve. So I think. seeing klopp out even if we don't end up being in top 4 and we have a similar season to what we had this season i don't think i would be with klopp out but i would definitely understand the argument from an outsider point of view i think the biggest biggest question comes in and you know this is this is one of the topics which are have been discussed regarding liverpool and klopp is mm-hmm. it has a tactical setup gone sort of scale because everybody knows how liverpool sort of plays uh, you know where exactly to attack them trent alexander-arnold is one of the examples that okay everybody is focusing on you know how you create the void space in the game so is that one of the reasons why you know the season started faltering in between teams having figured you out and now you had mane firmino salah the entire technical setup they they were delivering what clock for them to do you think nunes got all of the all of these guys mcallister who are bringing in 
he'll have to start this journey journey all over again and you know it might take another two or three seasons for for him to be successful uh, again i wouldn't say we will be starting from scratch as if like cuz when when Klopp first came in obviously he was starting from scratch his front three was nothing similar to the front three he had in the last few seasons but i definitely do think that this season the one we had was that transition season i don't think it will take him two to three seasons for to be able to transform liverpool into what they were the last three or four years but i think definitely having the injuries we've had this season and having trent alexander arnold's weaknesses very very exposed this season especially against vinicius in the champions league i think having that being so highlighted and not making top 4 will definitely lead to change like we've been doing this jenga press with pressing with the front three and the same front three over the last few years and i think with that new inverted role that Trent Alexander Arnold will start playing next season i think we could possibly see liverpool playing with a back five in some games next season we've been seeing liverpool in a standard 4-3-3 over the last 7 8 years and i think a lot of clubs have started to understand how to find weaknesses in that system and i think now that klopp started to understand that konate has the ability to fill in that in between center back and right back role and trent has the ability to go forward i think we can definitely see that 433 get transformed into a 343 or into a 5 um, 532 or something along those lines so i think we'll definitely see some tactical changes for next season if this season doesn't go as planned Klopp out then. I will personally <laughs> never be Klopp out, but I will be very open and very happy to hear other people's opinions to see what they uh, what they want. But I think if there's anyone that can transform Liverpool from what we've had this season, it's Klopp. I can't see anyone else coming in filling his shoes. Maybe Nigelsman. Another yeah. the thing is with, <laughs> the, the thing is with with Klopp is that I think he brings a huge attraction to big players like I don't think McAllister would have signed for Liverpool if Klopp was not the manager now yes obviously you always look at the club first and then the manager but the attraction that Klopp has to it's like the same idea with Dortmund you see how Dortmund attracts players like Jude Bellingham Erling Haaland X and XYZ I think Klopp has that attraction without Klopp I don't think players like McAllister and hopefully Kone and Turam would be as keen to sign for Liverpool. So I think he definitely has a value that no other manager could bring. Hmm. I think a certain Real Madrid uh, manager has more attraction. <laughs> I think yeah. let me put it this way, I think if I think if Ancelotti is at Liverpool, I still don't think Jude comes. I think Klopp has a different I think Bellingham goes to Real Madrid because of the possibility of winning the Champions League faster than winning it with Liverpool. I think if you go to Real Madrid you're guaranteed to win a trophy in the span of 2 years. Even if you miss out on La Liga for a year, there's no chance you're missing out on La Liga or Copa del Rey or the Champions League the next year. With Liverpool you're not guaranteed playing Champions League every season. It's the harsh reality of the Premier League not being a farmers league. If you look at La Liga, you're guaranteed playing if you're Real Madrid or Barcelona, you're guaranteed playing in Champions League. not the case with liverpool or or any other club besides city maybe in the premier league i think city is the only club which you go to and you're guaranteed to play champions league football maybe newcastle now from next season um, a bit of a tough one with newcastle i think i honestly i think a lot of people are now definitely newcastle is a big club especially they have a huge huge history but i do not think newcastle will be reaching the heights that city have reached i definitely think they'll be fighting for top 4 but a lot of people are saying newcastle will end up reaching city's heights 
I don't know. I don't see it happening. I don't know. It, uh, it doesn't seem uh, to be the way forward, but we'll see what happens. Interesting. Yeah. So, Omar, what's your opinion on? Oh, sorry, uh, Omar, what's your opinion on Virgil Van Dyke's last two seasons? Let's say it's it's been ultra tough for him. Uh, after the injury, it seems like he's a different defender. Different player. Different, like I was seeing his highlights very recently, and he's not committing. He's not like he's just letting people pass him. He's not putting in the foot that he puts at the right moment. His not just his physical, but his mental. Like he's not able to push himself. You know, Definitely. to you know, be in the right position because he was never going to put himself in a sliding tackle. But he knew how to push a player to the to their weaker side. But nowadays he's just like the Lissandro Martinez turn. It feels like. He is doing all these turns and he's getting lost. Uh, lost right. So what, what do you think? Like, what's going to happen with him? Like, do you need to sign a new defender of that stature? Will you be able to sign a defender of that level of you know presence that he had shown for you guys earlier? So I think the short answer is I don't think we'll be able to sign a defender that will be able to have as strong as an impact as Virgil did in his first season. But what I definitely think we do need to start looking at is a left-sided centre-back. Because Virgil van Dijk is our left centre-back and he's been our only left-sided centre-back over the last few seasons. Like We've seen Konate, Matip, Joe Gomez always swapping with that right centre-back position. But we've yet to see someone challenge van Dijk for that left centre-back position. And I think that's a big challenge that Klopp will have this uh, transfer window, especially I was hearing rumors about us potentially signing Pavard or potentially signing a left-footed centre-back. So I think definitely will we... I, I think we need to sign a centre-back that can challenge Van Dijk's position. He's been which too is, comfortable in that position. Which is Harry Maguire, man. I think... Is he a left-sided <laughs> centre-back as well, Maguire? That's what you need. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Someone <laughs> to properly challenge Van Dijk. Eh? <laughs> But yeah, I definitely think we need to sign a centre-back to challenge Van Dijk. He's been too comfortable in that position. Especially, like, look at Andrew, uh, Andy Robertson. Andy Robertson had a bit of a slump before we had signed Costas at Simcast. But ever since Costas has come in, I think Andy Robertson has been able to step up his game and be very consistent. But then you look at Trent Alexander-Arnold, we've had no one in right-back to challenge Trent. And he's been very comfortable in that position. So I think it's very important to sign a left centre-back this season. Very, very important. Yeah, and uh, similar question that Rohan had for Arsenal: When will the transformation end? Why don't Liverpool sign players for today? Like, where's the Salah replacement? You have one injury. There's nobody in the team left. Where is the Salah? That, Who's playing in his? That's player? a very good point. Yeah. That's a very good point. I think we've been very focused on signing bargain players, and we haven't signed. I can't remember the last time Liverpool signed a ready player, like a huge name player. Like, look at what United did this season, signing Casemiro. Now, I know Casemiro's 30-31, but still, Casemiro's still in that CDM position. You don't need to be 25-26. So, we haven't signed a player, a huge player over the last few years. Not that I can remember, at least. I think we like, was the last one. No, who, I who can... Was, who? I can clearly say Thiago I... was world-class. <laughs> Thiago, to be fair, is not yeah, a bad shout at all. Was but Thiago is in so injury prone. That's the problem. Injury prone. And and to be fair, Jota, Gakpo, these are not young, unproven players that you send. You know, so they've not again injuries have kind of screwed their time. Do you see a Gakpo and Jota driving you to the Premier League title? I no, know. if you look at I mean Luis Luis Diaz when he came in, 
he was like a house on fire then his injury Jeez. happened and Injuries, he went down yeah. but then luis diaz was probably signing of the season from january last year so like i said they do have the potential it's only that their injuries put them so i think liverpool's biggest issue was they have a great i mean they are not a great but they have an attack which was very fearsome they have a defense but the thing that let them down this year Mid- was the midfield so, so they, they, there's nobody to connect front and back that's what let them down i mean henderson great servant milner great servant but both of them are past the hill now they're over the hill now uh, thiago injured what are you left with harvey elliot curtis jones curtis jones Curtis Jones honestly, did perform at the end of the season, to be fair. Yeah, but, but still, honestly, he's not going to carry on, the, on, their own, on their own, they're not going to win with the league. And I fully agree with that, 100%. Definitely. Uh, I think that brings me to question. And uh, Spurs. Yes. So, question, why can't any top manager deliver experts? What, what's the problem? Is it Levy getting you know too much involved in the football decisions? Is it the... Player culture. What's what's that about? Where where are things going wrong? Yeah, I think it's Levy and the culture. Uh, you we won what we won the this one league cup or something back in six seven, right? I think that was around that time. There was the last trophy we ever won. So there's not been a winning culture at Spurs for a very long time. Uh, Levy Levy is a very weird businessman as to we talked about people who want to you know take out cash from the business and like run run it as a business and not a football club and he is somewhere in the middle but more on the cash side i feel so it's it's very weird for me to judge him whether he's actually does he like tottenham like i, I don't understand his motivation of you know running tottenham uh, whether he enjoys living there or does he even live there i'm not even sure what how he associates himself with uh, spurs uh so that is something i've personally felt that there's always this connection lacking between daniel levy and like the owner of the club and the club itself so i think that is one aspect that always seems uh like lost to me and obviously the culture is lacking and the fact that mourinho couldn't come and win and conte couldn't come and win and uh, we didn't get when poch was on on the up we did, we didn't give him two transfer windows uh, like to spend any money uh, i do not understand what the thought process behind this uh, club is uh, we had this sporting director who's now in jail and like facing charges uh, from his italian days like i don't understand the appointments that are being made uh, we have now ryan missing running like we had ryan missing randomly there uh, at least arteta had uh some tutelage under pep there was some training that he went under underwent before he was managing a club that size of arsenal but what is ryan missing doing there i, I have no idea why is he even the, in the conversation at all so it's it's absolutely lost to me like what is the thought process behind daniel levy so the main blame goes on him that managers are coming and going and you're making so many changes and there's no thought process there's no plan behind it like i miss the delhi ali erickson uh season like at least there was some structure there uh we had like you buying players who were like we were trying to find value players and there was at least that is still fine you don't need to sign the big marquee players that's not the tottenham style it's not been the tottenham style for a while we don't want to spend 100 million or on players 
uh, buying Dav- Davidson Sanchez for 70 million, you see what kind of player he has turned out to be. So it's never been the case. We've always trusted our academy players as well, or at least younger players. And that was the pot style. And that, that's what's been appreciated for a long time. And it's fine. You want to try something new. I'll give credit that you want to bring in Murinos and Fontes and, you know, satisfy the, uh, satisfy the fan base, you know, to get a trophy. But then, you keep on telling me for a while who has no proven record. So there's no thought process behind it. At least with Poston Aglu, there is a winning mentality manager who's going to bring exciting football. So I hope he's given a chance. We are desperate for a trophy. So I hope he, he is, he knows how to win. So at least I hope he, he can get, oh yeah, that, that window. I'll, I'll mention that window as well. And it's going to happen again. I feel, uh, if we sell game, uh, which I don't think uh, Levy will sell him for less than 100 million. So if no one's going to bid 100 million, he's not going to be. Uh, but yeah, with this manager, I'm hoping we can scrap a trophy. Uh, any trophy works. The League Cup works for me. Like, we don't have Europe, so we have to do with the League Cup. Uh, I don't think we have the pedigree to win a FA Cup, but I think we have the pedigree to win a League Cup. And that is what my minimal expectation is from next season. Yeah. And a lot of, I can feel a lot of load. Off your journey. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's it's been a torrid time being a Spurs fan. We've been close. We've we've come to the Champions League final, and then such an abject and disappointing performance. One of the worst Champions League finals, and uh, even Omar will say that that was such a weird final and random. Everyone like Origi scoring, and like I don't know what is going on. <laughs> and then we have the Leicester season where we yeah, are proper bottle job, I would say, but. Uh, that was a remarkable season in itself. And then we also came close to Chelsea one season, but then clearly Conte was the, you know, difference between these two clubs. And then we employ Conte and then this happens. So, I mean, there's clearly something wrong behind because such a successful manager does not need to go on such a public rant uh, to disclose what is wrong with the club. That that's, shouldn't happen. And the fact that that's happening says volumes about what's going on in the back room. So, I mean, maybe it's Daniel Levy. Maybe we need to sell the club. I have no idea. I'm absolutely <laughs> lost. And we are lost in like on the pitch, we are lost. Like, everywhere we are lost. Leave selling Kane, leave, uh, sell the club itself. Yeah, I mean, uh, this uh, selling Kane will not like, even if we get 100 million and we start spending, we have not had a great track record of buying the right players. Only Ericsson and this is the jersey I'm wearing, the Ericsson jersey because it's like significant, it shows the significance of only one guy who genuinely performed for our club in that 100 million that we spent and uh, he's the only guy who you know, genuinely, and he, he could have come this season. I don't know why he would not buy him back. How come he's in United? I have no, no clue. So like it's, transfer policies are lost. You, you're not hiring the right people. Uh, on the pitch, I don't know what the hell is going on. So, I mean, that's the se- that's the season in a nutshell for us. I think these are the most number of raised hands out of yeah. all. <laughs> yeah, please, please. <laughs> so, please, please. Go no, so, like, I genuinely, there's like this one thing I want to ask is, as a first fan, like, what expectations do you have or how do you enter a season? Because, like, not, I don't mean this in any, like, a mean manner or something but like I would always refer to Spurs as you know they're always the bridesmaid but never the bride you know they are 
the embodiment of South Africa in cricket. You know, good to watch, great entertainment, but never win anything. Yeah. And that has been the. I mean, to quote George O'Keefe, the history of Tottenham. Yeah, I mean, just to answer the questions, I, Tottenham in its history has always been a cup, cup team, like a cup club. They've always like. I have no idea in the why in the last ten years or fifteen years we've we've always like we've lost to Sheffield United. We're losing to we don't even lose to the big teams in uh, earlier rounds. We're losing to small clubs. So uh, and like bringing in the proper squad as well. It's not that we're playing uh, fringe players or our uh, bench. We play big players and still somehow the mindset of the club has somehow the priorities are incorrect that we need to finish. Like Daniel, Levy, it's all Daniel Levy. Uh, the mentality is that we need to finish in the top four we need to get that money in so that you know he can still run the club sustainably uh, with this manager i'm hoping uh, since he's won the treble right he's won the uh, treble in scotland scottish uh, treble scottish treble so he knows how to win in cup cup, cup tournaments so i think uh, it's a quite a good uh, appointment and i believe that he'll bring us a trophy next season or at least in the next two seasons he'll bring us a cup So that Talking is the expectation I'm going with. Talking uh, about trophies, uh, that brings you to Chelsea. Yeah, what an amazing <laughs> season Chelsea has had. Uh, so, Ayush, question for you is: uh, Will do you expect Todd Bowley to let Pochettino do his football, or you are looking at a another another sort of a horrendous season again if he does not let Poch do the football? Okay, so. So Todd Bowley is not owning a sports club for the first time. He definitely wanted to put a stamp of his name. He wanted to show he's got the money and he's competing with the big guys in the EPL. And I think he's done that pretty well. But I absolutely agree with Rohan when he says winning trophies is a cyclical thing, and which is why I personally do not agree with the fact that this is a three-year project, five-year project. Players want immediate success. which is why they are willing to sit on the bench at manchester city than try and win a trophy at other clubs right and it has to be continuous and the biggest problem i see with spurs as well is i feel like a lot of players are okay with that mediocrity there uh mourinho had the same problem conte's rant was also very similar um uh, and which is why i also feel harry kane is happy being there becoming the top scorer in premier league and being okay with it which is absolutely ridiculous given the kind of games and the performances he's been given for the last 5 6 years uh we saw that with bale at la liga as well uh just kind of passed away you know did not fight much he had challenges with di maria did not get a position he's playing golf now so uh i don't know there is a certain problem with that mentality and i really hope that doesn't come into chelsea and i hope uh todd lets pochettino do his thing and get some immediate results out of it i know winning next season immediately is something ridiculous to expect but there has to be something to show for it otherwise you will lose the good players you will not attract good players and times have changed everyone has money now nobody will repl- replicate what manchester city has done because at that point they were the only ones spending the kind of money they were and bringing in a tevez and a robinho out of nowhere big names are not signing for newcastle anymore until they see 
guaranteed success. You know, a Kovacic going from Chelsea to Manchester City just shows that he clearly knows he's not in the starting eleven, but he's going there for those few appearances and trophies, right? And it's very evident. And so Todd needs to accept he will have to listen to his managers, which is something I feel for Spurs as well. I wanted to add that earlier. Levy needs to let go. I think the players feel when the owner doesn't have a problem, why are you, you know, shouting all the time about a trophy? You know, and that's what we saw. If you've seen the documentary of the season where Mourinho was in charge, uh, there was a very nice thing that he said to Dele Ali and Harry Kane, uh, which makes so much sense, right? Your individual successes, nobody will remember that. You need to go beyond that, right? And which is exactly the problem with Newcastle. Players will not sign for Newcastle. There is no guarantee they'll win there when City is ready to sign them, when a Chelsea is ready to sign them, when a United is ready to sign them. So, uh, I just hope in the next season, he first offloads a few players. Of course, there's no point having so many players. Figures out his playing level. And then by January, figure out what are those pick signings they need to be in the top contention for the season next to that. I think that should be the plan for Chelsea as of now. I think he needs to understand the dynamics better and just hope that we come back to winning ways in the next season or two. Even if it's a, again, I'm saying the same thing as Spurs, but uh, even if it's a Carling Cup next season, it's a big step up from what has happened this season. Uh, And there has to be that winning mentality that has to stay. And the biggest example was Chelsea itself when uh, Roman brought in AVB to try to change the system. Uh, But eventually it was the cup winners who came back against that game in Napoli and, you know, had that hunger to go out and win the Champions League again, right? So that kind of experience has to be there in the team for sure. And I really hope he manages to keep some of those players, but also having some youth. But a planned seven-year project, five-year project will not work because winning trophies is cyclical. Players do not stay anymore. Times have changed. You will not find a Maldini anymore. You will not find a John Terry anymore. Uh, Players will leave. Well said. Well said. Uh, And uh, I would have opened the panel, but I think we have only a couple of minutes left. Uh, We need to wrap up the pod. But very quickly, I want to do a quick fire within just one or two uh, words. We'll start with Nadeem and uh, very simple, clear one-liner. Nadeem, what is success to Manchester City? Well, it's all going to be about maintaining that momentum. Um, uh, Like now we have the treble in our hands now, the expectation. Quadruple now? Ah, <laughs> not sure. That's that's a bit of a. I'm not sure. It's, it's a realistic uh, approach because you don't see back to back triples being one or two things at all. But yeah, I mean the uh, bars have raised. We have a new benchmark being set, and uh, as we have previously touched the point of Pep, um, probably might be even like a couple of years. Uh, but yeah, I I don't think they are going to back down. Um, uh, it, it's also it's being compared to Manchester United United's uh, success as well in 1999. Ever since that trouble came in, you know, since that it's been history. You know, they have been doing well. Uh, so yeah, uh, it, it, 
it will be compared with that success, that level of success uh, for the next couple of years, at least when uh, PEP is going to be around. So if and I if I understood understand this correctly, Champions League and Premier League, at least two trophies will be success. Anything less than that, not a great season for City, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, that gets me to one more. Define success for us. So ideally, winning the Premier League would be the like a successful season for any club, not just Arsenal. But that is the expectation now. But even if they don't manage to win the Premier League, I think finishing in the top four and going beyond the round of 16 in UCL and winning the FA Cup or any of those two cups, FA Cup or Okay, so Carabao when you say Cup. top four, yeah. third or second or fourth? I think second or third would define as a successful season. Okay, so third, third place finish and round of 16 in UCL. Not round of sixteen. Be successful season? Beyond round sixteen. Quarterfinals. Yeah. Going Trophy. deep into the UCL and winning either of the two cups and finishing top four would be a successful season for Arsenal, I think. Cool. Rohan, so ETH, Premier League trophy next season will be success. And that's I it. He would have I mean of course, yeah. I would say that. I would have said Success would have been winning the league title, but given the uncertainty of the ownership, the only thing is he doesn't know when the owners are coming in. So he doesn't know what he's going to buy, if he's going to buy. So given that current uncertainty, I would say success next season would be second place and FA Cup trophy. And if we make it to, let's say, the quarters of the UCL, because I know, I mean, as realistically, there are in Europe, there are other teams which are better than us right now from a squad level. So given the uncertainty that is there at the club right now, I would say that success. Up and probably a day before the league starts, if we've gotten some players in, maybe success might tweak a bit. But at right now, I would say second place. Because like I said, if we, if we go into the season with the majority of the players we have currently, there's no way we are challenging City because we do since we don't have a striker. We don't Clear. have a goal scorer. So, so we need a goal scorer. Clear. Omar, success for Liverpool. I think success will be winning the Europa League. I think that would be a huge success. I think make it second or third, like what we said with Arsenal, and winning one of FA Cup or the uh, Mickey Mouse Trophy, one of the <laughs> one of the two, Carlin Cup, <laughs> FA Cup, winning one of those, winning Europa League and making second or third. That would be a very successful season. And if that doesn't happen, proper. Like, no, no, never, never, <laughs> never, never. <laughs> no. Okay, Kaushub, success for Tottenham. Success with Tottenham would be uh, one. I'm not even going to talk about FA Cup. I'm going to be realistic and say Carabao Cup is a gen- much better chance than FA Cup because of, like, I think that will be the top six. We cannot be below top six. Okay. Top six. Yeah. If and it's top cherry six, on the cake. Cherry, cherry on, on the cake would be a Carabao Cup or something. We need to ca- come back to Europe. Like, that's, that's the minimum we have to have. And, Obviously, trophy would be the best thing in the world. Like, I'll run naked in Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> that has been said on record. So. <laughs> Great. Ayush, define success for Chelsea. I think for Chelsea, it's a couple of things. One is top four. We need Europe to get good players. Otherwise, again, I still believe you are then in the cycle of when will it happen and when will we sign good players. 
and the second is getting a good striker and by good striker i mean somebody who can score at least 15 20 goals every season consistently uh that's a key for chelsea and i think we've been missing that since drogba so it's been a while now and todd should definitely nice. do that so yeah great thank you so much everyone for joining in i think it has been great and uh, would be publishing this episode pretty soon on uh, spotify do follow it and uh, we'll soon be launching our instagram page as well we'll also be uh, you know launching our youtube page for for next year please follow the channel and uh, you know please 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 keep sharing uh, your feedback your one of the few who have been there uh, you know since the starting of season 1 uh, we have a lot of big plans for season 2 and thank you so much we really really would love your feedback if any thank you for having thank us thank you for having thank us. you see you guys thank you so bye. much bye bye bye, bye. bye. bye.